Um, okay, well, let's, uh, let's get started. Let's get started, um, indeed, yeah. So, it's been two weeks since we last did this, um, and I, well, I don't know what your packages are, but I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight packages, that, but some of them I'm only going to talk about for a couple of seconds, because... <laughs> um, <laughs> because some of the packages are really, really small uh, that I've, I've uh, highlighted. Um, but uh, I think your list is maybe bigger than that from what you, you were saying before we started. So why don't you kick us off, Sven? Yeah, I do, I do have a fair number. Um, and uh, actually, I found so many interesting packages that um, I fear I have to start some more side projects to use them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, oh, it's really interesting. And maybe we should say at the start or just remind people where they can follow... Um, you know, where new packages are, are sort of surfaced. Um, we have the um, Swift PKG update um, Twitter account that tweets out any new releases or package additions. And we also have RSS feeds on the website and subscribe to to get, um, you know, updates on the latest packages. Um, so that's but a good way to a good way to find that package updates account, by the way, is if you if you go to the profile of the packet Swift package index, um, it is following the Swift Package Index updates account because Swift PKG updates is not the most snappy to type uh, Twitter username in the world. Um, so yeah, but if you go to the followers, the people who are who the Swift Packages account is following, uh, you can find a link to that. Yeah, I wonder if we should have some some Twitter buttons on the homepage actually to, to link to them. But um, that is a very good that's idea. A, <laughs> that's, that's live live product session. <laughs> well, so we do we do have a link to our main Twitter account on the homepage, but we don't link to the package updates account. Um, and maybe that's the reason that the package updates account only has how many followers? I bet it's not very many. Uh, 259 followers. So yes, uh, we could definitely do some better uh, promotion of that. I didn't even know we had a Twitter link. But well, I'm, I'm following already, so. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, right. So the first package, um, these are codable related and, and they're really interesting. Um, mainly because Codable, I, I really love Codable. It's so easy to, to get set up, but um, I feel like every time I, I sort of leave the happy, happy path of just adding colon Codable to a, to a struct, I fall off a cliff <laughs> because, because um, I, I never remember the syntax or you know, how to write the, your own um, init from, from Codable or from a, a coder or to encode something. So, so these, these are really useful here. The first one isn't, isn't as much about that, but rather, um, how to handle um, uh, data that you don't have the type for, and that's uh, flight schools any codable, uh, and flight school that's Matt with an extra T, Matt three T. I don't, I don't I know his last name, Matt's last name. Um, you I think it's Zonda, um, from what I remember. But yes, he, he generally goes by Matt. Yeah, um, and that's any codable, and what it does effectively allows you to um, to read in any JSON into a any string call and any codable any encodable um, type. And then, you know, then you don't need to predefine what your type is going, what your type is, and you can handle stuff dynamically coming in and obviously also in the other direction, encoding stuff. Um, that's something I actually would have found useful quite a while back when I was toying with a project to read in shortcuts files. Um, um, and I actually wrote a value codal at the time that sort of handled that in, a, in, a, in another way. Um, so that's that's where this kind of package is quite useful. Um, and the other one is yeah. called Codable with a K, and that's by, let me just find who the author is, um, ja, da, 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 Joao Murato. 
um, that looks like a Brazilian name. Um, and, and this is really, I think this is the, the one that's going to be more commonly useful. And that's, that's sort of the, that's, that pulls you back from that cliff where you, you're bound to fall off of when uh, you, you want to do anything fancy with your um, encoding or decoding. And, and that adds uh, property wrappers, uh, making some things a lot easier. Like for instance, um, the first one isn't too bad, you know, changing the um, attribute name that you want to um, encode from. You know, like when you have a, a Swift type name and the encodable name is, is different. For example, you have a, a, a snake cased name in the JSON and you want to have a camel cased um, attribute name in your, your struct. What you normally have to do is you define the coding key or coding keys um, enum. And I, I can't remember if it's a singular plural a protocol where you define all the you know the names and then you can overload you can change your name effectively um and and this here allows you to define a property wrap and like add coding and then give give the new name to that property which is quite nice but it doesn't stop there you can also have add codable date and then you can define different date formats so it does lots of interesting things allowing to allowing you to very easily um tweak the encoding and decoding of a of a you know, a struct or a data incoming json um, and that's really nice because writing these by hand is is quite tedious and, and error prone and having that um, at that level is really nice in particular because it's really directly tied to your attribute you know it's not uh, it's not sprinkled across your encoder and decoder it's, it's just a single place where you define this yeah it's interesting to see whether apple will take any of these kind of ideas and and like it feels like codable is fairly done i don't think there have been many changes to codable since it was um since it was first introduced, uh, but I wonder if uh, if they're looking at what people are doing with extensions to Codable. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine that something like this sort of gets promoted. Um, maybe it's a two step thing. You know, like, first it's it's a property wrappers, and then well, I guess property wrappers are the most natural way to actually extend it. So there might be some official wrappers to to do this, the similar thing that Codable does. Codable with mm-hmm. a. Yep. Yep. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's that um, one. My first one um, is it's a package called Compact Slider uh, by um, Alexi Bukhtin. Um And so this is quite different to what you were just talking about with Codable there. This is a Swift UI control, um, very much focused on the front end rather than um, uh, data decoding. Um, and there's a couple of things that stood out about this. I think, of all, um it's it's potentially quite a useful little package it's a customizable slider um uh to to take inputs between a range you know just just the same as any other slider would be but the ui of it is is much more customizable but the reason i really wanted to highlight this is it's such a good readme and i've got so much stuff to say about good readmes um which um i will save for another day but this is truly a, a, an excellent uh, readme straight away and you i'm always amazed how packages fail to do this which is the first sentence of the readme is a one-line description of what the control does yeah <laughs> um so that you can literally just you come to this you read what is it like 10 words and you know roughly what it does it says compact slider is a control for selecting a value from a bounded linear range of values that's a great one-line description um and then it goes into some more detail has a kind of content tables and that kind of stuff but within a couple of pages you're already looking at video um embedded video or embedded gifs of um 
the control in action on both iOS and macOS, um, usage instructions, examples, documentation, it's got Duxy documentation, um, links to all of that kind of stuff. And I thought that was just such a great example of um, somebody who has clearly thought about, because it's very, it's, it's very easy when you're writing a package, you know why you need it. That's why you wrote, that's why you started writing it. And it's, it's, it's quite a difficult task to kind of step back from it after you've released it and say, well, how are other people going to look at this package and that a package and how, how are other people going to view what I've created here? Um, and it, this clearly shows that um, uh, Alexei's done a, a great job of uh, thinking and I want to highlight it. Yeah. Uh, he's also using the Swift Package Index badges to show compatibility, which gets uh, anybody extra credit for using those. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that one actually caught my eye as well, and I love the I loved it for the same reasons the the README and and it just seeing what it does not just for one phone but for all of them as far as I can tell. There's even watchOS uh, on the you know the there watchOS is, yeah. video and 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 I love that and I hats off to 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 actually doing that and then presumably maintaining it if you make changes because that's that's a lot of work potentially. I mean that's that's something I really miss the easy automation of of creating you know these kinds of things across. A number of platforms. I, I suppose there could be something you can do with with um, UI testing and then recording that. But you know, if you don't do that for a lot of packages, it's probably not worth setting up. So that's that's really great. Read me. Yeah. Um, that actually really dovetails nicely with my next package because I picked that for practically the, the same reason, um, and it's called uh, UI onboarding. Um, and this is I actually need to look up the name. Uh, that's Lukman and I Astich, I would guess that's how you pronounce the name. It's a lot of consonants, um, perhaps Czech. Um, and this is this is also great. And it's it's a it's a package to create onboarding flows, um, which are you know have become quite popular. Um, and and here as well, we see um, examples across the platforms: iPhone, iPod Touch, um, rest in peace. <laughs> Um, iPad in in a portrait landscape, um, also accessibility, how that works. That's that's really amazing. It shows, um, you know, different uh, like voiceover um, highlights and, and reduced motion, um, a video a split view in in different compacts, you know, different size, what you call them, size um, factors. Um, it's it's like a really really nice readme, and and I really wanted to highlight as well because what I always interest I'm interested in when looking at a package is find out as much as possible without actually having to use it. And in case of source code packages, like in quotes, like where you're interested in the API and, you know, I'm looking at code snippets, but if it's a UI package, it's, you know, the, an API doesn't tell you as much about what it does, but the, these videos and, and screenshots really do. That's why I think that's so valuable to have that in a, in a readme when it's about a UI component. Um, and in particular, when it's across platforms, because it gives you at one glance, you can tell you're right. This this will work, you know, for my set of devices that I'm I'm planning to use this on. Um, so that's that's really great, great package. Um, I've noticed that the author of my next package is in the Twitter space listening, and so um, I think we should do that one next because uh, and maybe uh, he will um, uh, come up and, and join us and talk to us a bit about it because it's it's a fascinating package and I definitely have some questions about it. <laughs> um, so um, the um, the package is called Runestone uh, and it's by Simon Stovering. Um, I, 
I hope I didn't butcher your surname, the pronunciation of your surname there, Simon. Um, uh, but it's basically, it's a text uh, um, uh, component for iOS um, that has, that is from, I, I took a very, very short look at the source code and because uh, I was curious as to what technology it was built on. Um, and what I know is that it's not uh, a subclass of UI text view, which is the first thing I would have expected it to be. Um, and it does use core text. So this is quite an interesting component because core text is a very capable and, and well, there was core text two, which was, I think, released last year. Um, I thought it could have been the year before, but I think it was last year. Um, and certainly I have been kind of expecting some packages that leverage some of what Cortex 2 does, because Cortex 2, from what I've seen, is quite a low-level um, uh, framework that, that is ripe for things to be built on top of it. And, and it looks like RuneStone is certainly a great example uh, of that. So it's a syntax highlighting um, uh, text editor um, component for iOS, and um, I don't know whether you can you can hear me, Simon. But if you would like to come up and, and talk a bit about it, we'd we'd love to have you come up. I've just sent an invite to speak. Maybe he doesn't have a mic handy, but yeah, I have that on my list yeah. as well. It's um, I was really looking forward to to seeing that package he had pre-announced it, and I was actually. Hovering, uh, <laughs> refreshing the page to add it to the index and uh, and seeing what it looks like. That's really great. Yeah, I was I was interested to. Um, I mean, it's great to have a, a great um, editor on on iOS. Um, I I don't use my iPad as much as I'd like for. I mean, I use it just not for editing. Um, I'd love to to understand if some hands to to bring it to the Mac as well via Catalyst or something. I think that'll be really nice to be able to to edit, you know, make it a, a cross-platform default editor. Because I think that way I would I would see myself using it um, a bit more on on iOS as well. So, are you talking about that? Are you talking about Runestone the app or Runestone the the, the package? The, the app, yeah. So the package, the app, yeah, the right, app, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. And and my yeah. development needs are also more on on macOS. That's why I would be interested to to see. But I guess with even with Catalyst, it's uh, I'm never quite sure. What the Swift UI story is because I'm that's really my only avenue into uh, UI development is via Swift UI. I just haven't done enough um, iOS development in recent years or, or macOS development to, to really be comfortable spending um, the time to ramp up there. And Swift UI is just much easier to get, get started for the simple things that I'm that I would even be doing uh, with it. But yeah, it, um, shall we move on to the I, next I just one? had a I just had a message from Simon. Uh, he said that he'd he, he'd love to come and talk, but he's in the quiet zone of a train. Is... <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so we will we will thank Simon for being the responsible uh, citizen that he is and not talking in the quiet zone. <laughs> but we both we're both very interested in your package, Simon. Maybe uh, maybe we can get you back to talk about it on a, a future one of these spaces. That's great. Drive, um, drive safely. Not that you're probably you're not doing the driving. <laughs> well, hopefully he's not driving the train. <laughs> right. So the so, next one that I've got is called QR code, and it's by uh, I've got to click through again. It is by I don't see a for some reason uh, Dagron F is the is the um, GitHub handle. Why can't I see the name there? That Darren Ford. Darren Ford. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I've seen that name. Um, 
Yeah, QR code. That's another one where there's a really nice readme um, showing you what that would look like and what the options are in particular, you know, how you can configure your, your QR code reading and I guess uh, displaying as well. Um, really nice. And, and the reason I'm interesting, interested in these sorts of packages, um, I mean, in general, there's two reasons for me at least to add a package. It's either something that's that's something I would know how to do and understand, but it's it's sort of tedious and it's it's just nice to pull that in. So it's pretty low risk because you could do it if you had to do it on your own uh, on a whim. Um, and the other reason is it's something that I I really would have to ramp up a lot, you know, to to do it or I wouldn't be able to do it at all. And and this is this sort of package where I wouldn't know where to start really to do a QR code reader and and um, printer. Uh, and that's why I found this really nice. It, uh, it supports the latest platforms. Um, I just noticed it only shows Mac OS, but I suspect there might be a, a builder issue there because um, it doesn't explicitly mention. Yeah, it does mention UI views, so we probably need to look into why we're not properly displaying the, yeah, the platforms there. Because <laughs> if you look at the README, the README at the top of the README stats, iOS, tvOS, watchOS, Catalyst, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but our build system has only flagged it as compatible with macOS. So yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're highlighting a package where we do a bad job of determining the compatibility. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've, um, I've made a note for the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and, and I, I agree with you. I think that, that a package like this is almost like a perfect problem space for a package because if if you're writing an app, if you're in the in the weeds of, of, of creating a feature that needs a QR code of some sort, the last thing you want to go and do is go and learn about QR codes. Um, this is nice and isolated. It won't get um, it won't get embedded in the internals of your app. Um, if you know so that the, the kind of the cost of this dependency is going to be fairly low over time um and it yeah i hadn't seen it before you just mentioned it then but it looks like a, a great way to uh, solve that problem yeah and it's it's also one of those pitfalls right you think uh, qr code you know how hard can it be right <laughs> it's yeah, a couple of pixels look at all the options and you realize oh okay there's you know there's versions to this and you know there's configuration options and, and all that sort of stuff being handled is, is quite nice yeah it looks great um my next one is a tiny package um which uh again i i like very um focused packages because they tend to make good dependencies in that if something if it ever goes away or if something goes wrong with it the the, the impact of, uh, of of removing it is is uh, is not so uh, high um so it's a package called uh, time uh, by oleg draymon and um it does one thing really it deals with time intervals so uh, it actually gives you um i i've done a lot of, of ruby development over the years and it gives you a feature that i that i kind of miss from Ruby, which is you can say 10 dot minutes or three dot hours or 500 dot seconds, and it will give you back the time interval that that is um, uh, representing. I don't know how many times I've kind of made a constant or a, you know, a, a declaration of uh, with a little comment next to it saying 3600 equals 60 minutes, right? <laughs> mm. um, and, and I like this because I don't have a lot to say about this because it's very, very simple, but I like this because it does give that kind of feature back to the language. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice to be able to. I I find it often the thing when you define a constant, right? And you don't want to necessarily put the the you know the the unit in the name, you know, like um, 
back off seconds. That sounds right. kind of weird. So you want to you know call that back off. And but where do you then you know is it a comment? Uh, that's that's kind of you know unstable. Yeah. Uh, and the the only problem with this sort of package is that you you might have the date police on your back because you know defending the time span uh, an hour isn't always an hour and <laughs> you've got all these people getting light which is uh, <laughs> about the leap seconds and all that um yeah nice but yeah game. that's about all i've got to say about that so uh and again again extra marks for putting the uh package index compatibility thing in this readme <laughs> there, there's also um a swift proposal about changes to time and date and duration I'm not sure if you've seen that so there's something coming I there know. i don't think it has these kind of extensions for types but it is looking into um lifting i think lifting date out of foundation into the standard library or at least that's been discussed and all this ties into the um async await because that needs a duration type um for parts of it so um that's that's the bigger picture there i think i don't have the details in front of me um but i know there's something coming there Actually. Um, the so I've got the next one are two packages that are sort of I, I put into a little category of access of packages what I call, kind of think of them as, and that's um, SF safe sim and Veximoji, mm -hmm. um, and really Veximoji is on uh, my list as well, so that's great. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll leave that to you then. Um, I'll just talk about very briefly about safe symbols, and I mainly picked it because we mentioned this um, last time we spoke. Um, as a sort of package that's really, and that's one of those early examples where I said it's something that's really tedious to do yourself, but it's also safe to add because if it breaks, it's it's very straightforward to replace on your own. It's it's a bit of work, but you know if push comes to shove, you can fix it. You know that that's not a package that's going to put your project at risk if there's any incompatibility or anything. That's sort of the thing you can jump in and, and presumably fix. And I just wanted to check who the author is because it just says SF safe symbols. Uh, it's got a list of contributors. Um, Frederick Pichmann is a fellow German who's, I guess, the contributor. There's a, there's a number of contributors there. So yeah, that's that's a really nice package that if you want to have types save SF symbols in your code, I guess that's one of the places to go. Um, there are more than that. Um, this is also a nice uh, plug for our search. So if you just search for SF symbols in the package index, you'll find a range of packages that do Practically the same thing. Uh, this is the one with the most stars. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven packages. So you, you can pick whichever one you prefer. And and as you say, the other one that, you, that, that is is kind of similar to this is uh, OG uh, by Arnold Rosen. Um, and what this does, package does is again it eliminates a really tedious task of looking up the uh, emoji for a specific country's um, flag. So you say uh, a string as in um, uh, US or uh, G the, the examples on the readme here are US and GBENG for, for um, uh, the England flag, not the United Kingdom flag, but the England flag. Um, and it's going to pass you back uh, an emoji. Uh, it even supports checkered flag, which I, I quite liked. Um, Again, this is this is something that you can you can embed these directly, and of course you can have these these uh, emojis embedded directly into um, a Swift file. Uh, that's something you can absolutely do. Uh, but I quite like the idea of this uh, little package to to help you along with that. Yeah, it's really nice. It's also got a pirate flag, <laughs> which is neat. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I see now. There's like cross flags, checker flags, pirate flags, pride flag, pride trans. Yeah, really yeah. nice. It's all there. Excellent. Excellent little package. Um, right. Should I go next? Or yeah, do I do have. A, well, I have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have one more. But let's let's do um do one more from you, and then one more from me, and then probably uh, call it there. Yeah. That sounds like a plan. So the next one I've got is called uh, Swift UI App Icon Creator, um, and I, I'm bad at. I should have. I should have. Um, I think this is. Yeah, this is Darius uh, Rybitsky. Um He's got some other package that I know. I've, I've seen that name. So this is this is a um, a package that allows you to create. Um, icons, I guess, in a playground. If I if I studied this correctly, yes, you set up a, a Swift UI view, where you effectively render uh, your icon, and then it it you know outputs on the you know in your preview panel um, different um, sizes of, of the icon. You know the three X, the um, iPhone notification size, twenty points, uh, iPhone settings, twenty nine points, um, iPhone spotlight, forty points. Um, so it's really nice, and I. I uh, picked that because I often use um, Bakery, um, the app Bakery, which is on the App Store, I believe, um, which allows you to quickly create a um, an icon by using a, an emoji and a background. Um, uh, and obviously, that's nice to get you started. But this is this is goes a step further because it, it allows you just to, to like you know use a completely free uh, Swift UI view to create whatever you fancy, you know, like um, gradients. Um, I guess busier paths and everything, everything, anything you can do in a playground, you can use here to to uh, spit up a set of icons. So that's that's quite nice. Fantastic. Um, the last package I'm going to talk about is um, is a package. Well, I've known about this package for for a while, but I've never really looked at it. Um, and it's a package called ShapeScript by Nick Lockwood. Um, and I noticed this because it was in the um, RSS feeds for a 1.5 uh, release um, that has a whole load of bug fixes and, and, and features added to it. But what it really did was it highlighted that this package uh, existed to me. Um, and it is a, again, it's a little bit like the Runestone package that we talked about earlier. It is a package that then powers uh, an app. Uh, and the app is also called ShapeScript. Um, and it's a way that you can describe um, a 3D scene in, in text, basically. So you can say, uh, define a wheel as the union of a cylinder plus another cylinder translated this much with differencing out between the two cylinders to, to create like a, a 3D cutout between two objects. And then once you've defined a wheel, you can then say, you know, a for loop to say, give me six wheels and translate them different ways and move them around the scene and that kind of stuff. So you can, you can effectively build up a 3d scene using um, the shape script uh, package, which uh, I think is really interesting. And it, it, it depends on another package of, of um, uh, Nick's called uh, Euclid, um, which is uh, the underlying package to, um, to, to um, create and manipulate 3d, shapes basically so you can take a, a square and extrude it out into um, a cube or you can take a circle and extrude it into a uh, a, a cylinder and you can take the square sorry, the cube and the cylinder and intersect them to get a, a more complex 3d object um, and I just it's clear the amount of work that has gone into this package is extensive it's it's quite incredible 
Yeah, that looks amazing. It looks to be like um, a bit similar in, you know, you can programmatically create your 3D scene versus, um, you know, using a 3D editor. What's like, is that a Blender? What's typically Blender or, yeah. used? Yeah, yeah. And I find, I find that really, I mean, yeah, it's tremendous. Um, and of course, I've seen, sorry. sorry. No, you, you go on. No, I just, I just saw Nick's tweets, you know, he's, he's tweeting about this every once in a while um, while he's developing this. And I've always been fascinated by the kind of stuff he's doing there. It's, it's yeah, quite extraordinary. This is a whole language, right? The, um, the yeah. shape script. Um, yeah. Really um, I've, also, yeah. I've also seen his tweets, but this is the first time that I've really looked at what, it, what he's actually doing here. And, and I, was, I was blown away by, uh, by what I thought it was incredible. Um, and of course, it's not got the fidelity of something like Blender, and it will never have the fidelity of something like Blender because the thing that takes um, a 3D scene from something like this that you can generate with code into something that looks incredible is all the little imperfections that are not um, that are not perfectly regular um, and squares and cylinders and cubes and all that kind of stuff. But I think I think this is still well a couple of really obvious ways that this could be super useful, and and the the first one that springs to my mind is a, as a kind of teaching aid for this kind of stuff, but also as a teaching aid for programming, what better way to um, have a fun programming experience than generating a 3d scene. I, I, I love, well, in fact, I'm going to uh, download the app and have a play with this uh, and see, see what I can create with it. Interesting. I wonder if you could create building blocks that you then export for further use in, well, sure blender. you can, yeah, because even in the so the the, the example I gave um, when I was talking through it was from the screenshot on on the package, um, and the very first thing that gets that gets um, done in that is the definition of a wheel. So even if you can't take, you know, predefined shapes, you can certainly just grab someone's definition of a wheel if they've shared it uh, and take it from there. Right. Very very interesting. Great package there. Yep, absolutely. Um, well, they all are. Uh, we've talked about some interesting uh, packages today, and um, and just to mention again uh, at the end of the the, the space here, um, both Sven and I, the source for all of these packages was the um, well for me it was the RSS feeds um, that the package index outputs every uh, well constantly um, that. I, I basically went through the list of major releases and the list of minor releases and uh, opened them all up in uh, a web browser and then just kind of browsed through the release notes and uh, packages that, that were in there. Um, did you use the Twitter feed or did you use the RSS? Sorry. A mix of both, really. I'm, I'm sort of following the tweet, you know, as I browse Twitter um, and then every once in a while I, I know immediately that's interesting and I put it in the list, but then I also look at the RSS feed to, to just cover the things I might miss um, while doing scrolling. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's my process. And it's it's great to have both, really, um, because, you you know, it's, it's sometimes it's easier to click through and, and read a bit more from, from the Mac or the iPad um, versus, you know, the phone on Twitter. Yeah. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, should mention that we will publish the links um, on on the blog after this, so people we will. can can see what packages we talked about. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. Otherwise, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening. And um, I think we're going to do this um, uh, fortnightly or biweekly. Um, so I think that's about the kind of cadence for it. There were certainly um, enough packages that we. I didn't get to the end of everything that I'd highlighted, um, uh, but um, but I think fortnightly seems like the right kind of cadence for it to me. 
Cool. Yeah. Well, maybe we can have a poll or something. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. All for right. Listening and uh, speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye. everyone.